0: The Hard Shoulder with Kieran Cuddy with Nissan on News Talk. I want to remind you of a conversation we had a little bit earlier on the show, and it was about that proposal to introduce free GP care for all in this country. The ESRI say we could do it within three years, and it might cost as little as 400 million euro, anywhere from 400 to 800 million euro. And the model, the system that we would be aping most closely, is the system across the water in the UK. So Dr Hussein Gandhi, who's a GP in Nottingham, is with me now to help us make sense and understand that system, if it is indeed the system people want to see in operation uh, here. Hussein, you're very, very welcome uh, to the show and thanks a million for taking the time to join us. Uh, We might start with, well, I guess with your employment status. Um, In in your system, in the NHS system, are, are you a private operator as a GP or are you an employee of the NHS?
1: Um, So in England and the rest of the UK, in Scotland and Wales, um, it runs on a basis of most GP practices are what we call independent contractors. So they have a contract with the NHS to provide the services. There'll be some GPs potentially that are partners in that um, independent contract. So they effectively are the employers and they run the practice. And then you'll also have other GPs who work as salaried or locums, so who work providing services. And then also you've got the other health service um, uh, individuals like nurses, physios, pharmacists that work within that. So it is technically a, you could consider it as a private contract, but as a contract in agreement with the NHS under the terms of the NHS contract, which is decided by NHS England and the
0: uh, BMA. Okay. So so you're you're not a public sector worker, though?
1: Uh, by definition, we are because we do work for the okay. NHS, but it's a, a signed contract is probably
0: the best way of thinking of it. Okay. So you are paid a set salary every year. Your your income is not dependent on how many patients you see, is it? No, it
1: is. Um, so in general practice in the UK, um, in England, Scotland, Wales, well, so apologies, making sure I'm not, don't make a Uh, you get a set amount per registered patient so on average across the entire of England and Scotland Wales it's about £157 per registered patient Mm -hmm. Um, and then there are some local contracts that places may have depending on what particular extra services they offer above that standard contract that allows access um, no matter how many times a patient makes contacts whether they make no contacts at all during that entire year or whether they make 100 contracts during that entire year
0: Okay, so that is that. That is the same system we have here for medical card patients, effectively. Medical card patients are registered with a GP practice and the practice gets mm-hmm. paid a certain amount per patient, depending on the age profile of that patient. And that is regardless of whether they're never there or whether they're there all the time. You have that system for essentially the entire population. That's, that's a fair description, isn't it? Yeah,
1: there are, there are some changes that are made based on age um deprivation, that kind of stuff. Very minor changes. So like I said, the average is about
0: £157 per patient at the last time that was kind of checked and rectified and stuff. So does any, on a daily basis, does any money change hands in a GP practice? Are there people paying for any services?
1: Very rarely. So there are some things that are considered outside of the NHS contract. So for example, if patients are needing private medicals done, for example, for business reasons, um, you know, driving medicals, that kind of stuff, then they would be an extra contracted service, so then they would normally pay for those. Um, If reports are needed for other kind of medical issues, like, for example, schools or other kind of things, or letters that are not considered NHS, so there are some standard um, and certified kind of um, letters and things that we would do. Um, So, for example, a referral letter, you wouldn't be charged for that. Um, However, if you wanted a letter because you didn't want to go into work and that was not a standard sick note, then that would be charged for, for example... Um, but it's, it's, there's not that many private services offered. There are some things, certain types of travel vaccinations and other services that practice can offer on a private basis. But there would need to be things outside of the standard contract.
0: And so is there a limit on how many patients that you are meant to see per day? Uh, there isn't. And that's one of the
1: challenges that's currently facing general practice um, on our side of the river and stuff effectively. Um, because many practices, unfortunately, are having to go well above what would be considered potentially a safe level because of the workload pressures and the capacity and demand issues that we're facing.
0: OK, so tell me a bit more about those capacity issues and the demand issues.
1: Um, so I guess across the board, everyone's seeing the health services are being overloaded because of um, demand in terms of a variety of reasons, and some of that is obviously down to the back pressures of you know secondary care, hospitals and social care. Um, But, effectively, obviously more people are wanting healthcare services, Um, you know, in terms of the supply and demand, we definitely don't have enough people to provide that level of service here in the UK Um, and we don't have enough GPs and and doctors to provide that currently in general practice either. So, because of that, there is a a supply challenge Um, and obviously then that leads to a demand problem in terms of the number of people coming through. On average, you know, we've had some days where we've had, you know, 100 consultations being asked to deal with in a single morning when if you were to compare that to even pre-COVID, you know, that would have been about 40 at the most on average. So, you know, uh, easily a doubling of the number of uh, contacts we're having. And that doesn't include all the other stuff that obviously practice needs to do in terms of managing medications, referrals, administration for patients, you know, the, the background stuff that obviously many people don't, if that didn't happen, then actually the health of the general population would significantly change.
0: And so what's the consequence then, uh, Hussein, in terms of waiting times to get in and physically see your local general practitioner and then possibly a knock-on impact on local emergency department presentations? So I think
1: there clearly has been some challenges, particularly over the past few months. We've seen that in, in
0: England, particularly we
1: had the this, this Strep A kind of crisis that caused a massive challenge and particularly a really bad flu season that has had a huge impact on across the board, all the services, whether it's general practice, you know, A&E departments and hospitals as well. Um, so because of that, you know, there has been a, a bigger pressure. So a lot more has been focused on acute care that has meant that chronic care has suffered. So people with, you know, um, less you know, urgent problems haven't been able to get equipment appointment that day wait and then obviously that's now become more of a problem for them because they've had to wait when actually if it, there was capacity to see them earlier on maybe it wouldn't have been as severe and then because of the backlog issues we've got with hospital services obviously that a lot of those patients who have been waiting for a prolonged period of time for example patients for operations you know um, specialist opinions that kind of stuff obviously they continue to wait um, and because of that challenge they obviously become more urgent as time goes on as well so it is proving really difficult and obviously that is having an impact on how long people are having to wait. So, you know, previously in my practice, for example, we would have on average awaited at the most two to three weeks for a routine appointment. We're now hitting, you know, three to four, four to five even on Sunday
0: weeks and stuff. Can I ask, there, there, there would be some people who here in Ireland who say would be opposed to free GP care, and it's it's more of a principle thing. You know, they feel if people can afford to pay for it, they should pay for it, and reliance and state handouts. Let's set all of that aside for a moment. Um, the other concern people express, people who in principle would be all for this, is that our general practice system at the moment is already at capacity and overstretched, and they fear that once you provide free care to everybody, that the consequences people then will turn up more to the GP and that was the experience maybe with you know kids and under 12s when free GP care was extended to them I mean Mm -hmm. is is that your experience and I appreciate maybe you don't have a basis for comparison this isn't like Mm -hmm. you've kind of recently segued into this system but I mean would you suspect people will turn up more often to a system that is already overstretched
1: Uh, I think Whatever the system is, it's important to remember that there needs to be enough of a supply in order to meet the demand. And I think if there's less barriers to somebody wanting to have an appointment, they will often go for what they feel to be the best opinion. And if that opinion they feel to be a GP appointment, then wouldn't you, you wouldn't be surprised if anybody's saying, well, actually, I feel a bit unwell. I would rather have um, as best an expert opinion as quickly as possible. So, you know, to say that potentially more people may end up using the system. I think that's a a valid point to make. Um, I think generally a lot of people try to use the healthcare system as best as appropriate. Um, But similarly, there are a proportion who feel their own health anxieties take precedent and will absolutely contact at the first point of any form of ill health. And, you know, for that to work effectively, there needs to be either sufficient supply to help to manage that, or at the very least a suitable education programme to make sure people are using it as best as possible I think that's one of the challenges we have in the UK we probably don't have both of those things at the moment
0: All right. well listen Hussein thanks a million for taking the time to speak to us uh, and helping us explain uh, the system what works well in it and what doesn't four to five week delays to get a routine GP appointment uh, there Dr Hussein Gandhi is a GP at the Wellspring Surgery in Nottingham Mm